Folks, and welcome to Coming Home Well. This is Tyler, and I do want to thank you so much for listening. But I do want to ask you a question Do you know of an organization doing awesome work for our veterans and their caregivers, or have a topic that you want to know more about? We don't know what we don't know, and so we thought we would reach out and ask you about any suggestions for coming up shows. At, you can always email us those suggestions at comminghomewell at gmail.com. It's comminghomewell, all one word, and we will do our best to make it happen. So with that, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and now we're going to talk to Donna Hoffmeyer. Welcome back to Coming Home Well. I'm your host, Tyler Piron, and today we are going to talk a little bit about transitioning out of your military service. We're talking with Donna Hoffmeyer. She is a nurse. Now you say, what does a nurse have to do with transitioning? Well, she has written an awesome book. It's called Warrior to Patriot Citizen, Transitioning Your Military Service and Skills to Your New Civilian Adventure. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you. So I don't know if you've ever listened to the show, but Coach mm-hmm. Alfredo, he works for the Virginia Department of Veteran Services. He is a transition expert. And so he comes on and does his own segment about 10, 15 minutes about all the things he sees trying to find people a new job. And so I said, hey, when I saw that you had written a book, I said, this is great because we get one perspective. Alfredo does a wonderful job, but you have seen it on the other side as people are Mm -hmm. in the service getting out. How was that? Mm -hmm. So uh, my background, when I left the service, my last job was a clinical case manager at a headquarters level, which was very unique. I worked specifically with the garden reserve and we assisted them with their medical care. And many times, oftentimes, I guess, they would find out that they are not compatible with military service anymore due to an injury or illness or something like that. And they would have to go through an MEB. So I would see frequently that grieving process. And I don't know how it happened, but a lot of times I was usually the first one telling them, hey, you know, there's a chance, a strong chance that you're going to have to go through an MEB. And for the folks that don't know, what is an MEB and what does that mean? Right. So a medical evaluation board. So when your injuries are to a certain level, that the military doesn't feel that you're compatible with them to continue the mission, then as I'd explain it to people, the military's thank you is to say, we are going to medically board you and we are going to send you through this evaluation board. And then we are going to let you retire with a medical retirement. So somebody that didn't accomplish 20 years can still get a medical retirement and still have some financial support when they leave the military. All well and good. Yeah, that's got to be really a big shock to the system. If you've been serving, you deployed, you get back, you're injured somewhat, but maybe you could stay. Usually if you're grievously injured, you kind of know. But the people that are on that line. You would think so. Some of the ones that are most severe are the ones that are actually trying to get back 
And, and I'll say that, as you know, being part of military, the subcultures, right, in the military. So the more subculture you get, and when I say subculture, I'm talking like special forces, Navy SEALs, um, Rangers, et cetera, et cetera. They, they are much more hardcore. Nothing's going to get them down. So when you tell one of those guys you're going to get medically boarded, they don't go down that easy. It, that is an enormous shock to their system. And it's also a shock to the system for people that, like for the Guard and Reserves example, when their job is tangent both on civilian and military side. So let's say a police officer in the civilian sector and in the military, and they get so injured they can't do that job anymore on either side. I mean, that just sends their stress level through the roof. So you've been dealing with this, telling these folks, hey, there's a good chance you're not going to be able to continue with your military service. How did they react? A lot of times the very first thing was denial. Like, no, 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 I'll be able to get back. I I had a service member that was significantly injured in an ambush. And it it was very clear to me that he was not going to be able to continue on in, in his career field. But he thought he could have a quick surgery and he'd get back to it. And that's what he told me. Oh, I just need this quick surgery, fix my back, and I'll be back to it. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And it took him a little while. And I kind of gently was saying, you know, I'm just letting you know that as you continue on, you may hear your providers talk about medical retirement. And then one day it finally hit him. They started talking to him about it. And it was very hard to accept. And there was a lot of anger with that. A lot of anger, especially when he saw his buddies continuing the mission and he couldn't do it. It it took him probably better part of a year to come to grips with it. Well, it's a huge shock to the system, especially if you've been in the military, maybe straight out of high school. This is the life, Mm -hmm. you know, you have Mm -hmm. a very set path, you know, 20 years and then I can retire and do whatever I want and I'm good. But It's five years in, 10 years in, maybe even 15 Mm -hmm. or more. And all of a sudden, you don't have a path forward anymore. Right. And it's ripped out from underneath you like in an instant. I mean, they're they're devastated. It's the the worst. In my mind, it it really is the most devastating way to leave the military emotionally, mentally, and obviously physically. But emotionally and mentally, it, it is really difficult. And so I learned quickly... Uh, It it was just invariable that I would kind of be the one bringing it up. It it wasn't, I was not the person that determined if they needed MEB or not. I I just knew the setup. I knew I worked with these people. I knew how the the setup was coming. I've seen it enough. And I thought, you know, I need to gently let them know this is a possibility. And what I finally started to do was that I would tell them when they knew it was happening and they would call me and they'd be just devastated. I'd be like, listen, I need you to reframe your mind. I need you to look at this. Is the military is saying, thank you. They recognize that you volunteer to go into these scenarios and hurt yourself to a point that they can no longer use you in the way that they intend to. So they're saying, hey, we see that. And we're going to offer you medical board And we are going to offer you this so you can go out with some financial stability as financial support. And we're going to help get you care so you can have the best quality of life you can have leaving the military. And, And when I reframed it, their mind, 
they could settle better because a lot of them looked at it as the military was taking stuff away from them. They were taking it away from me. And they get very, very angry and had a very hard time settling with that. You know, as someone who went through the MEB, I was medically retired. I was not a happy camper. I was I was kind of frustrated. I didn't know what the heck. I was scared to death. But mm -hmm. looking back on it 15 years now, mm -hmm. it was the absolute best thing in the world that could have happened to me. After getting hurt and saying, if I had just gotten out, I would have been in a terrible position. But right. having health care, having that retirement check, mm -hmm. having a smooth process with the VA, because it was the uh, very first time when they were integrating the uh, uh, medical yes. retirement. And it Correct. was the it was the prototype of that. They were just doing it at Walter Reed. And I was like, man, this is awesome. All the things I was reading, trying to find online, trying to understand, it was way better than all that. And then things turned out pretty darn well. But at the time, there wasn't anything more scary than, hey, you know that entire thing that you've been doing since you were 17 years old? Yeah, you can't do that no more. Yeah. And, and the other part of it is when they're going through it, they're holding their breath the whole time because they don't know what that rating is going to be. So if that rating comes up 30%, okay, well, they can have TRICARE benefits and VA, right? But it's 30%. So can they live off that? Is that going to be enough? Can that carry them over? Do they need to find another job? Do they need to change career fields? Do they need to go back to school? I mean, all that is going through their head at the same time. I've got my wife, my children, my husband. I've got my parents that depend on me. You know, all that is running through their head at the same time. And it is terrifying. And 30% does not go near far enough. Let me tell you no. right now. And though having healthcare helps, that's a big, yeah. big thing. But you're going to have to transition. You're going to have to find a job that, A, yeah. works with your disability, and you're able to do and be happy doing. Now, it's yeah. different for everybody. So you said, hey, how to transition. How did that come about? How did you get you know, into writing that book? Holy randomness. That's what that was. That, that was just jumping in with two feet. So it was a conversation. Somebody made a comment that somebody happened to be the my co-author, Kevin Cullis, and he made this comment about service members needing a new mission. And I and it really resonated with me. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I said something back and he said, call me. And I said, okay. And we had this whole conversation and, and I found out he had written uh, books on other things before. And I said, Kevin, that should be your next book. It should be your, your next book should be on that right there them finding a new mission and he says i think you should write it with me and i was like i've never written a book and he's like i think you should do it and you know we do talk about that, that. Night, i came upstairs <laughs> we talk about that finding your new mission finding your purpose yes yes and, and that's what happened and I just looked at my husband. And I'm like, I think I'm going to write a book. And he's like, what? And so that's the seed where it started. And it did. We just jumped in with two feet. And honestly, it was divine intervention the whole way. I mean, from finding the editor, from every time I wasn't sure, something fell into my path. And it just kept stepping stones one after the other. And so um, we did interviews. I, I got a bunch of interviews through LinkedIn. And we, we got the service members advice. We wanted to hear from them. And, and we wrote. 
we, we just wrote and, and there it is. It was, it was two years and divine intervention. You know, the hardest part I think a lot of folks have when they get out of the military is, hey, don't use the same terminology. Nobody understands what the heck you mean. Right. And how do you translate those skills, especially those soft skills, those leadership right. skills? Because the, the perception is leadership in the military is knife hands and yelling at people. Right. So it's funny because I think I use this example in the book because I had a service member Again, was very scared. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get out. And so I just said, well, tell me what you do in the military. I knew his job. He was actually a JTAC. And he said, well, I take orders and I shoot the bad guy. That's what he told me. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Hitman is not on any USA jobs or anything. So then we talked some more about what his skills were. And he had to be calm under pressure. He had to critically think with minimal information to make decisions. He had to make those decisions quickly and accurately. He had to know how to delegate quickly. He had a lot of soft skills. And once we listed those out, I said, that is what you need to go look for a job. I said, taking orders and killing the bad guy doesn't do it. You know? And those are outcomes, really. Mm -hmm. not, not the way you get it done. Right, right, exactly. So interestingly, he ended up, when he did get out, he ended up working for a, a security service and he was actually bod did bodyguard for a while. And then he ended up working for Delta. I think he still works for Delta, as a matter of fact. And I said, Delta, how did that happen? He's like, travel perks. <laughs> and so he used his skills and now he gets to travel all over the U.S. and uh, absolutely happy as a clam. No, it's amazing how people take the skills that they have and then transition because I was a CID agent, which is a criminal investigator. And so many of my colleagues and friends and people that I keep in touch with have become real estate agents. And I said, that makes no sense to me. And then I started yeah. thinking about it. The next level, they enjoy talking to people. They love figuring things out, super detail oriented, and they don't want to sit in an office all day. I said, oh, real estate agent makes perfect sense. Yes. You know, just don't think about that. But mm -hmm. I guess they're all networking. They see their other friends doing it and they go, oh, you know, I'm in a different part of the country. That'd be great. It's that yeah. kind of thinking that your book goes into, like, what are the skills you have? Yeah. And, and you, you know, I, we even went in a little further with sometimes the skills you have, you don't necessarily enjoy what you're doing. So I'll give myself an example. For whatever reason, I'm very good at editing stuff. I, I have an eye for seeing bad grammar and I, I have zero desire to be an editor. Zero. But I love to write. Love to write. And I'm very happy to hire an editor and let him find all my mistakes. So you you have to find that skill set and say, do I enjoy using my skill set? And if I don't enjoy using it for this, can I use it for something else? So you, you really have to just have a, a good talk with yourself. I mean, I, it, that's really what it comes down to. You have to be very honest with yourself and, and really think about it. I retired in October of last year. And I knew a couple things. Didn't want to work for anybody anymore. Wasn't even sure I wanted to go to work, to be honest. I really kind of left it alone for a while and then started getting bored and realized I need to do something. Knew I still had a lot to offer in helping veterans because a lot of those issues frustrate me. And, I, and I'm vocal, not a very quiet person. So I knew I wanted to speak up 
I knew I wanted to advocate. I knew I didn't want to work for people. And so that's how I started transitioning myself. I had the luxury that I had a good retirement. I didn't have to go to work. That was a you know big deal. But I, at the same time, we set ourselves up specifically for that reason. So that's another part that people have to think about. What are you doing while you're in? Are you thinking about that? And the freedom to have that choice is a huge luxury. A lot of folks oh, don't yes. have that. But if you do, it allows you to really think, what is it I want to do? Correct. I've been very fortunate. I've had job opportunities. I've had people ask me, what am I interested in? And I've just sat back and said, I'm open to everything, but I'm not jumping right now. And so I, I have chose to continue writing and that's where I'm going. So the book itself is when we wrote the book, I didn't want a book written for people that were retiring, that were hitting their 20. And it was interesting when I started writing the book, my husband was actually starting his retirement. And I had to go to some tap classes with him as the spouse. And I went over there and I was looking at the books and I was like, retirement geared, retirement geared, retire, oh, hedge hunting, corporate geared. There was nothing that I saw that was, what if you decide to get out at eight years, 10 years, 15 years? You know, what if it's not an MEB? What if you don't even have that luxury of some financial support? What if you just want out? You're done. Are you ready? Are you thinking this through? Like really, this book would be really smart for people coming in the door. Yeah, that's the hardest part when you go to TAP or transition assistance. It's really geared at people retiring at 20, but they're not really retiring. I mean, they're retiring from the military, but they're usually in their mid 40s. They've got another 20 plus years of work history to get to. So I've always thought it was not really aimed well. Even though it's I fire hose. Yeah, it's it's so much you just don't even figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big premise of the book was that yes, there is so much geared towards people retiring. I'm like, oh my goodness. My some of my friends had headhunters after them. They've had people helping them transition, transition their skills into a corporate. I mean, all that. I saw all that. And I was like, but what about? The staff sergeant at eight years that says it's been a good ride, but I want out. I want to go do something else. Well, how do you do that? Because yes, if you say, hey, I'm going to college. Awesome. And I'm using my GI bill. Super. You know, pays what? $1,100 a month. What about the rest? What do you mean the rest? Well, I mean, do you have a family or is it just you? Can you live off of ramen noodles? Do you need a job in the meantime? Have you put money away before? Are you getting out because you're pissed off? Is that why you're getting out and you're getting out in anger? That may not be the smartest thing. Are your bills paid? Where's your bills at? Are you in debt? Might not be smart right now. Maybe smarter in two years. Those are all the things that I we hope that that book is bringing out to them. Like, yes, get that you want out. Are you ready? So you don't have to be stressed out. Do you have the game plan? Do you have a couple game plans? That is definitely that 100% on target. I can just totally picture a lot of the young troops that I know that got out at four, six years Mm -hmm. and they owed a lot of money on a car and had a wife or husband and had a couple kids. And even with the new GI Bill, the 9-11 GI Bill, it actually pays you to go to school. That's not enough. No. No, and then the, I, you know, I taught college for a couple of years and I had students 
that were in the, the garden reserve. And even for them, it was interesting to watch them because some of them got out of active duty and then went and became a student. And, and they mentally struggled. They did not understand the students. They were like, what are they doing? Why are they acting like this? They couldn't get their head wrapped around it. So, you know, they've been in the military four or six years. They're still pretty young. They go to college and their peers, they have no connection with because they may have just done a tour in Iraq and watched things that most people shouldn't see. And they're coming here watching people stress over stuff that to them is like, irrelevant almost. So that mental connection, they struggle with that. They're struggling with the financial connection, stressful, right? Because they may need to get a job. Maybe they get into their degree and they're like, ooh, this may not have been the direction I wanted to go in. Um, There's a thousand different things. And so that's the whole premise of the book is, are you ready? Are you ready to be ready to follow that passion? If you want to follow your passion, go for it, not knocking it. But are you ready? Are you in the best setup you can be in? Or are you just throwing caution in the wind and you're annoyed at your NCO or somebody and you just want out and you're done today? Because we've all been there. We, I mean, 21 year career I had and I, I know many times I came home and said, I'm done. And then I'm like, are you really? <laughs> and does that passion pay the bills? Is someone going to pay you to follow your passion? That's always another question. Exactly. Yeah, because I can assure you that writing does not pay the bills. That writing a book does not make you rich. Yeah, for every yeah, every time there's a cook that you know is on TV that makes millions, there's Mm -hmm. a thousand people who work you know sixteen hour days, seven days a week, and aren't really killing it. I actually know a guy who started a bike shop. He's, you know, big time mountain biker, loved it, doesn't even ride anymore, but it runs the shop because mm-hmm. he lost the passion because it was made into work. And that kind of right. made it not fun anymore. Exactly. I had a, I think it was Kevin or somebody was telling me this guy that, that got out took everything he wanted to start a bakery. Didn't know anything about baking, but he was going to do it and, and put his whole heart into it. It was a passion. He liked to bake at home and it failed less than five years, like the typical statistic. And he lost his investment, lost his drive, lost his passion. And I was like, there's so many resources. It is ridiculous. You have to almost do a needs assessment on yourself first to know what you need to look for, because the number of places that want to help, it's through the roof. And so it's it's very frustrating to me when I hear people say, oh, my God, there's so many veterans struggling with transition. And I'm like, why? There is so many things to help people. And that's one of the things I tried to do. And I still do on my website is that I'm constantly putting resources up there. I get hit probably three two to three times a week with, hey, can we put our resource up there? And I review it. I ask questions. I look at it because there's a lot of junk stuff in there. But the ones that are really into it, they'll reach out and go, can we collaborate? I mean, I just had two this week. Hey, I want to write an article with you on resume building. Sure, let's talk. So there's so, so, so much in my website probably doesn't even have a tenth of it up there. I think there's something like 44,000 nonprofits to help veterans, some crazy number. 
Oh, trust me, I know, because we spend a lot of time trying to find the best of the best and talk to people that are trying to do stuff. And there's so many that come and go. And the ones that actually with a track record of actually helping people. And that is sometimes hard because there's a lot of people with good intentions and there's way fewer with good outcomes. Yes. And let me tell you, that is an absolute excellent point. So when people are looking for like financial support, they need a little bit to get through or grants or stuff like that. Boy, that number dwindles very, very low. And I'll hear it. Like I've referred people to certain places and then they'll tell me I wasn't eligible. I'm like, what do you mean? I made too much money. And it, and that too much money may be like 20,000 or 30,000 and they're making too much money for them to help them. Because in, in defense of the nonprofit, they're trying to do this good thing and they all of a sudden get hit with hundreds of people that are like, I need assistance, I need assistance, I need assistance. And then they need to figure out who is the worst of the worst that really needs the assistance. So it, it gets really hard in that in that realm. Well, it sure does. And one of the things that I, I like about your book is that you can go get it. You can read it. You can go to your website and get more information on your own time at your own pace. Because so many times veterans wait until it's a crisis before right. they ask for help. And right. they don't really track that there's a lot of resources out there before it becomes a crisis. Absolutely. I'm going to plug this team. I'll do a little plug. on. Have you heard of Veterati? I do. And I've actually volunteered on it and I've used it. It's absolutely yeah. wonderful. I love that. So I'm a mentor on there. Actually, I, I stopped for a couple of months because I was at home helping my parents and it was too much, but I'm going to start back up here. I just got home again. And I'll tell you, it was interesting, the people I talked to on Veterati. And sometimes they're just a one, one-stop shop. I want to hear your perspective on this. I've had computer engineer guys that are like, you know, I'm doing this in college. I'm taking the courses. I kind of do this work, but I'm more of a people person. And this is not a people person job. And I'm kind of interested in what your job was as a nurse. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, they can ask anything. And and that is such a great thing. And it's free. Oh my God. You can sign up over and over and over again. Absolutely free. And, and you can get different perspectives. And if you resonate with somebody, you can keep going back to them. And it's, it's, I think it's just those things right there that people don't think about while they're in because they're like, no, I'm in, I got my paycheck, got my benefits, doing my job, loving it. We're good. And I'm like, okay, that's good. But are you keeping track of what's going on out in the civilian world? Do you have, and then I wrote this, I wrote an article on this. Are you paying attention? Because it's going to be important when the unexpected happens. Donna, where can you find your book? Amazon. It's there as a soft copy. It's there as an ebook and it's there as audio. And where can we find your website? It's warriorspatriotcitizen.com right now. So if you can remember Word to Patriot Citizen, you can go find the website. You should just be able to Google it. Uh, That's a great thing about these search engines these days. Now, it's not super heavy reading. It's not like a thousand pages. It's not a war and peace. It's really a guide to think about, A, kind of how to find your passion. And how do you transition? How do you think about it? And what steps do you take? You were talking about Veterati. And the number one most important thing to finding a job, and it's worked for every job I've ever had outside of the military, is networking. Yes. And And the best jobs come from that. 
You don't find the best jobs on USA Jobs or Indeed or Glassdoor or any of that stuff. You you find it through networking. The the jobs that I've been offered have been nothing. I've never looked online. And I, I've gotten people like, hey, I want to talk to you about this. What do you think about that? Were you interested in this? You know, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, those are the ones that don't get advertised. And mm-hmm. it's either that or headhunters. Somebody is looking for a very yep. specialized skill that you might have or, or mm-hmm. a body of skills. Or you know somebody that knows somebody and they say, yeah. hey, so-and-so would be great at this. So, Donna, what would be the one thing you want everybody to know about your book? The one thing I want everybody to know is that the more prepared you are ahead of time, the better off you're going to be when that transition comes, whether you choose that transition or whether it's surprising. That, that's a great takeaway because it is hard, especially as someone who's gone through a medical board. It's scary. You don't know where to begin. And you don't have the same transition timelines like you do if you're retiring. You don't know when that right. date is going to be. Right. You don't get to take terminal leave. You, there's a lot of things that are different with the medical board. Mm-hmm. You get orders and you're gone like in two weeks. It's That's it. It can, Yeah, it can be that fast. I mean, if it is not wrapped up properly, I've seen that happen. Typically, this day and age, they do look at leave. They wrap your leave into it and they do give you that time. But... I'm telling you, it's like all of a sudden they pop up and say, okay, here's your rating. Here's your orders. And you'll be out in two months. Here's your checklist. Have a good day. (laughs) So, yeah, you need to start planning immediately and wrap your head around. Hey, how can I transition and do it well and come out ahead? Even if it's in a bad situation, like not the way you planned it. So, Don, I always ask, what was the one question I should have asked but didn't? Well, you should ask, what else am I doing? I'm always into something. So I'll answer that for you. Yeah, Um, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So when I got out, like I said, I I sat around for a while and I I literally painted rocks and just kind of chilled for a couple months and then started getting antsy. And I used my love of writing and I started a blog and it's called Taking Off the Armor. And I started that really to talk about kind of like in addition to the book, transitioning, all the issues that are impacting transition. And I I post it once a week. I post it on Mondays and I do it through medium.com. And it's really a great way for me to talk about the issues that frustrate me the most. And it's ever-changing. And I'm telling you, I, I wrote a topic of 20 things that I wanted to address and I haven't touched it yet because through my conversations with people, I'm always like, oh yeah, I need to talk about that. Oh yeah, this happened. Oh yeah, that's frustrating. And so um, that's my prep project right now. I'm also, since I, I told you I like to write, I was going through retirement, the transitioning of retirement when COVID hit. So if you can imagine my husband, who is a GS worker, got sent home and he was teleworking. My two children were home, homeschooling. I was still in the military about eight, nine months out from retirement, still doing my job and trying to prepare for a transition. And it was seriously mass chaos. So I channeled that stress into humor. And I wrote a book called Pandemic Parodies, aiming to have it out in October. 
And it really is the first roughly two and a half months of COVID hitting and us dealing with it. Well, it sounds um, like a really easy time. You know, everybody's home trying to yeah. still serve, <laughs> trying to do all the things you knew to do to retire. Well, everybody else, all the civilians yeah. and all the people that you would need to go see are not available. I'm sure it was Correct. really easy and, and, and stress free. Oh, yes. yes. Virtual retirement. Yep. That's what I did. And that never left my house to do it. I, my last day I wore the uniform was March 16th. That was the day before my birthday. The next day we were all sent home and I never put the uniform on again. Never wow. did a form retirement. I did nothing. I canceled my retirement party. I canceled my retirement. It was a nightmare. And so not the way it, you wanted to go out then. Not even close, but I channeled it into humor and uh, kind of proud of the book because my daughter um, at the time, who was eight and a half, nine, she actually drew pictures throughout the book for me. So it's kind of a little team effort and um, very, very different than the first book I wrote, but honestly just meant to make people laugh because it, it was definitely a comedy of errors. And then I said, my baby's a blog, taking off the armor and um, kind of hoping to keep expanding and working with people and collaborating and just seeing kind of what opens up from there. I'm, I'm not putting any timeline on it. I'm not putting any pressure on it. I just want to see what happens. So, And the book is called Pandemic Parodies? Yes. Go look for it in the Amazon bookstore, wherever you can find your online books. And Taking Off Your Armor. I love the title of that because that is so emblematic of the transition. It, it You know, it came to me. I thought of all kinds of different terms. And I but then I started to laugh because I would say all the time, like, you gotta take off your armor, go take off your armor. Because what are we in the military? We are armored up all the time. We go to work, our uniforms are armor, we speak without ever saying a word. You I can walk into a room, they knew my rank. They knew, some of them knew my AFSC or, or MOS, whatever service you're in. But by looking at our patches, you knew where you worked, you knew your name. And, and that was that. And you didn't say a word yet. You just said, good morning, right? So you come out of there and now you're wearing your jeans and a t-shirt, your, your suit, whatever it may be. And none of that transpo that none of that is verbalized anymore or, or nonverbal speak is occurring anymore. And you now have to present yourself. And we do not know how to do that. Yeah, all and that so, context gets lost. Right. We don't know how to market ourselves. I mean, I I I'm the first one to admit that when it comes to being in the limelight, I I will head right to the back of the room. I'm like, yeah, we're good. I like doing my job. I like doing things. I don't necessarily like being in the limelight. And I think a lot of people in the military were built like that because we're built to function as a team. Nobody can do the work unless you're a team. Nobody, nobody should, as we're taught, to be taking credit by themselves. And you know as well as I do who those people are. And you know exactly our mentality of what we think of those people. So then you come out of the military and now all of a sudden you have to sell yourself. And we were never taught that. Never. And people are, we're taught the opposite. It's, it's, and then the I've opposite. seen it in the civilian world where people are like totally overblowing what they did or how they did it or what participation mm -hmm. they made. And you look at them and they're successful, but you're like, oh my gosh, they're just so full of crap. But they realize right. that they're selling themselves 
and you're not letting your work speak for yourself. And that works over time, but it doesn't work all the time. No, and let me tell you, you know, the one thing that I found out, which I thought it blew my mind, I was talking with somebody that was interested in bringing me on as a case manager to his facility. And he goes, I'll even take you coming right out of the military. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, why wouldn't you? He goes, well, I'll tell you a secret. He said, I actually prefer to hire people that have either been fired once in the civilian world or have left their job in the civilian world once. I thought that was the most ludicrous thing I'd ever heard in my life. I'm like, and he's a friend of mine. I'm like, why did you say that? And he said, because you guys come out, you're gung-ho, you're ready to go, and you just mow over everybody in the civilian world. And the civilian world is not necessarily ready for you. And somewhere along the way, one of two things happens. The person leaves or the person gets fired. And I thought, I still thought he was crazy when he said all that. And I actually started asking around. And interestingly, I was getting interviewed a lot for the book. And somehow we'd end up in these discussions. And I kid you not, I all of a sudden these stories started coming out. Yeah, I was at this job and I was out producing. I was told to do this and the leadership loved me and I was out producing everybody. And the other teams asked us to quiet down, stop celebrating so much. Or my team went to HR and told me that, told them that I was putting too much pressure on them. And I, I got put on administrative leave. They said I was too passionate. Those are real stories. I, I'm not making that up. And I was like, are you kidding? And they're like, no, that really happened. Oh, I can 100% believe it. And I can totally picture it. Because one of the things in the military that is so different from the civilian world is thinking long term. And yeah. in the military, you're there for two or three years and then you move. And so right. you can have all this short-term success, but you burned all the bridges. And so anyone left behind has to pick up all the mess you left. And so you don't right. see it. And so right. it is a longer term, these relationships, especially with clients and people that are yes. ongoing long-term things. You can yeah. win all the sales, but when people are turned off by you right. in, in the long term, you're creating bonfires that are going to kindle right as you leave the door. Correct. The ones that get it, the ones that probably do this the best or that can do this, Garden Reserve. Garden Reserve have civilian jobs and they do their weekend warrior. And so that's a, they have a leg up in that respect. But a lot of them are still a lot shyer about marketing themselves. It's just it's kind of how we're built. But active duty, we're atrocious, absolutely atrocious. You come out and the last thing you want to do is be singing your song. <laughs> Right. But then you do and you try to do the best you can and you can use Warrior to Patriot Citizen to at least get an idea of what you should be doing as you're prepared to leave the service. We've been talking with Donna Hoffmeyer. She's an author. She's written this book. She has the website and she has a new book coming out. So go check it out. Uh, Pandemic Parodies. Go check it out. Donna, thank you so much for joining us on Coming Home Well. Thank you so much. I really appreciated this.
Hey folks, Tyler here at Coming Home Well. I wanted to give a big shout out to our sponsor, BetterHelp, for sponsoring our podcast. As a veteran-related podcast, we cover a lot of sensitive topics and difficult issues that our military service members face when they return home from war. One of the biggest challenges vets often face is the isolation of today's culture. Nine out of ten times, we prefer just to stay home. Maneuvering through all the chaos in today's society can be debilitating. So reaching out to someone who is qualified to help can be a starting point in moving forward. And that's why I'm proud to announce our connection with BetterHelp.com. That's Better, H-E-L-P.com. BetterHelp.com is one of the leaders in online counseling and will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. So that's a great opportunity to talk to someone and you don't even have to leave your own couch to go sit on someone else's. If you go to betterhelp.com slash coming home well, you can be connected to a therapist in under 48 hours. If you're not comfortable talking over the phone, you could start by texting. They have video chat options, real time options, and you can meet weekly at the discretion of the counselor. Now, this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. It is someone who's trained in handling veterans' issues and can help you tackle that mountains of struggles together rather than alone. If you go to betterhelp.com slash coming home well, you'll be automatically put in for a discount code of 10% off of your first month of therapy. If you don't see the 10% put on automatically, just put in the discount code coming home well, as this will also get your 10% off. If you're experiencing financial hardships, let them know. There is financial aid available in the form of an extra discount. Again, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com backslash coming home well, all one word. They are great at what they do, and what they do is help us veterans to come home well. Thank you so much for joining us on Coming Home Well. Until all are home and all are well, this is Coming Home Well.